With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. Uh, I'm here with Tom Parada and Steve Tigner. Steve's just back from Paris. Um, good trip, Steve? Yeah, it was a great trip. The, the weather was bad, but um, you can't really go wrong with the French Open. You can't go wrong in, in Paris in May, even if it's cloudy and cold and rainy and it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> you still can't go wrong. No, no. Better than New York, right? It was good. It was good weather. But um, in New York, at least, not in Paris. Uh, the semifinals are set after today's matches. Um, we'll just run through those really quickly, and then we'll get into them. Uh, on the men's side, Robin Soderling played play Thomas Bird. Soderling, of course, beat Federer in four sets. Um, the other side, Rafa plays Jurgen Melzer. Melzer came back from two sets down to beat Novak Djokovic. Um, in a pretty stunning way. Um, on the women's side, we have Sam Stozer, who's now beat Justine Ennen and Serena Williams. She plays Elena Yankovic. And finally, Elena Dementieva plays Francesca Schiavone. But uh, the first, we'll head back to Soderling to start and talk about his uh, you know, most recent French Open upset. Steve, uh, go right ahead. Uh, Soderling, yeah. I th- I, you know, as far as what would have been a surprise and you know, Roger Federer losing before the semifinals is a surprise but you had to figure it would happen here if it was going to happen anywhere at the French and Soderling you know Soderling is was not an unlikely guy to do it he beat Nadal last year in the same round or in the fourth round and I thought Soderling just played he played even better than he did against Nadal I think he he outplayed Federer we all knew he had to serve but he even took control of the points from Roger with his return very early in in points and you know he he made it a hitting game sort of a rather than a running game and really you know through f- you know took a lot of time away from Federer and the way, same way that Del Potro did um, at the U.S. Open last year. Yeah I, go ahead Tom. I, I was going to say that you know the old theory in tennis is if you get a guy like Soderling a, a burly guy who hits big and put him on a court even a clay court that's playing a little fast and the weather's really nice he's dangerous well it was a rainy day and the court was really slow and they had all these rain noise and he still hit through roger Federer. Yeah, i think it still it, it helped him even because he had more time to to get that swing around yeah yeah because he has such long swings but the guy's got an amazing amount of power um and really as steve said took command of that match i was i was impressed with him but, I sh- but winning the tournament i don't know burditch is going to be tough as a guy who plays just like him and has better technique definitely although i don't he doesn't have a better head that's for sure yeah that's the thing about soderling does he get does he get nervous i mean i've never seen him I mean, obviously he's he's lost for other reasons in the past but he he didn't get nervous against or it didn't affect him against Nadal last year and he didn't look at all nervous against Federer. he looked like he thought he was going to win even his celebration was sort of like 
Yeah, I, you know, Matter didn't effect, seem surprised. Yeah. yeah, no, I actually was as as much as it was, a, I was more impressed. I think with Sorokin than surprised at Federer's play. You know, for just that confidence reason there. I also thought his he has the huge forehand. I thought the backhand did really well that match. Um, got hit through the court, moved uh, Federer around a lot too. Um, I thought he displayed a lot of just top to bottom solid play all around. I talked to uh, you know I wrote a profile of him for. The March just wrote my magazine and spent some time with his coach, Magnus Norman, and uh, Magnus talked about his backhand a lot of the time. Said that's, you know, the forehand gets the attention, but he thinks the backhand's a better shot, very solid, doesn't miss it much, and can really hit it big. Yeah, Federer seemed unable to get, I guess the key for s- to beat Soderling is to get him running wide with that backhand, um, but it didn't seem like Federer was able to do that. Soderling was on top of the points where, where Roger couldn't do that. I talked to a Swedish journalist. I was asking, I asked him about, about Soderling because I'm curious about the guy. Really, It's hard to know what he's like. He seems very aggressive, angry on the court, but really soft-spoken in the press conferences. And the, the journalist was, you know, sort of said he's a typical Swede, a nice guy in general, but he has, he, he called it the anger thing, the Swedish anger thing. He has it. He has, he, he's let it get the best of him, best of him in, in the past, and Norman's been really good at, at focusing, that on, focusing that for him. Because Norman had apparently had the same problems when he was younger. He, would, he, he had a temper and lost his temper, and he's He's really made Soderling a different, made him be able to use that sort of, that anger, that aggressiveness much better on like during, the, during the matches, yeah. 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 Any, quickly before, any takeaways on Roger in this? I mean, he, afterwards, he did seem, did seem not content, it's not the wrong word, but it wasn't like he was stewing over this one too much. Um, Although he doesn't do that too much. I mean, I I guess all I'll say is that if he loses before the semifinals or even before the final at Wimbledon, then maybe I start to worry. At the French Open, uh, you know, I don't know. It's going to happen sometime. You can't make the semis of every single tournament. It's been yeah. six years. It's a long time. Yeah, it just had to happen. And also, I mean, he, he had his semifinal streak broken, but he made the quarters. Yes, it's not like he lost in the first round, right? right. And the I read final some, streak is still I, going. I actually just read somewhere that the longest quarter, fi- second longest quarterfinal streak currently is four by Djokovic, I believe. And uh, just yeah, so he's got that. Stunning, really. At the this wh- point, those streaks don't mean a whole lot. Yeah. Forget them all. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that's interesting to me with Soderling, I was looking at thinking about the three semifinalists other than Federer last year, Soderling, Fernando Gonzalez, and Del Potro, and this year you've got Soderling and Burdich. Is that is this sort of a new clay court phenomenon, new clay court trend with the men? The big guys now are going to dominate on clay. Maybe they have there's they have more time. You know, we usually think of the grinders succeed there because they have more time to get to the ball, but now it's almost seeming like these guys, these big guys, they have more time to, to swing, Malfice to get their swings done well going. there, too. He didn't do well this year, but he's done it's well. It's a good yeah. point about more time to swing. I think it has something to do with the upbringing. We're a lot of training for juniors now. A lot of people are moving toward doing it on clay. And I think we got a preview of it a few years ago when Verkirk made the final. He's the same type of guy. Yeah. Not as good as these guys, but an earlier version of how the bruiser game And also, I think, clay. just slowing down hard courts and maybe slowing down grad maybe maybe making the bounce better at Wimbledon now you don't have to have two different games you can have a you can have a game a clay court game and be successful everywhere else so you see sort of these hard court guys being more successful on clay but Soderling is a weird case because he was never any good on clay at all he was strictly in, he was like an yeah. indoor guy for yeah, a while now and he, he just turned it around he owns the French Open yeah um one of those big guys we mentioned Burdich. He, he's got him. I mentioned Burdich way back in the first podcast actually here, and he's kind of proven me right. Semifinal, he he beat Murray, and then he just clobbered Usney in his next match. Um, 
Well, he clobbered. He clobbered Murray. I mean, some well. of those some of those sets were close, but you the, it was you not were, a close. You were there match. for that, right? Yeah, yeah, I was there for that. He was outplaying. Murray was kind of kind of spent. He was kind of burnt from the week, but but Burdich was was awesome. He was. I would say he was even hitting the ball more cleanly than Soderling has been. But the two of those guys have been the most dominant guys in the tournament. I think Burdich has looked the best in the tournament, but it's still a big question mark for me with him because I I just don't know what he can do when it really counts and when the pressure's on. He's had many chances of that. There's only one time he's ever done anything, and that's when he beat Federer at the Olympics, and that didn't really end well either. I mean, that he won that match, but he's never, he's never, never followed through. Never put anything together. Yeah, yeah. yeah I take, I take Soderling in that just because, I mean, the form, but also Soderling's now shown that he can do it on the slams for two years now in just immense matches. And Burrich, he had a nice uh, Indian Wells or Miami um, he beat Federer in Miami and made yeah. the final. Yeah, I think it's just another step up um, for that. What about Novak and Rafa? Oh, wait. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> right. Meltzer. Jurgen and Rafa. This is um, – I don't think – any. I think everyone's draw was busted with that one. I don't think anybody <laughs> picked Jurgen Meltzer to be – Yeah, he beat Nice guy. Good, good player. Been around a long time. Happy I don't think they do well, but – that make the semis very surprising. I don't think they picked him past the first few rounds, let alone this long. Um, we just watched Djokovic uh, there blow this, and w- everyone seemed kind of taken aback by that. What do you, what did you guys see in this and r- the Rafa match? I mean, a couple thoughts on that. Yeah, it's surprising that Djokovic would would lose to Meltzer in a fifth set. I mean, he was up, he was up two sets, right? But then just to even yep. even in the fifth three and two, comfortable first two set wins yeah. too. Yeah, um, even in the fifth, I mean Meltzer is a is a shot maker, but you would think jo- you know you would think Djokovic would have would have outlasted him or, or been too tough for him. But at the end, I was surprised. Djokovic looked a little like he had caved mentally at the end. He didn't he didn't fight the way. I mean, he has this tendency of not of sometimes pulling the plug and just not fighting. I felt like he did that a little bit at the end of, at the end of this fifth set. He's yeah. done he's done that a, a bit too much lately too. It's been the it's been the problem for him since. I think when, you know, when he first came up and was doing really well and went up to number three and then won the Australian Open, I think the mental toughness side, as much as he could be a little temperamental, was a strength. And now I don't really know that it's there. Yeah. Well, Rafa's got to be liking that either way around. I mean, he he just got past Almagro. It was a trickier, tougher match than expected. Only three breaks, 7-6, seven, 7-6, six, seven, six, and then 6-4, um, I believe. Um, Rafa looks looking well. Um, what do you – any, any – threat at all or is this just he's a looked, routine I mean, one he hasn't lost a s- well I don't think I think he'll beat Meltzer and you have to think it's going to be in straight sets I mean the lefty thing is maybe a little tricky for for Nadal but Meltzer's not despite what he's done here he's not a f- he's not a fantastic clay court th- not the kind of guy you would th- look at in a draw and think was a, was a threat to Nadal on clay and Nadal's looked gen- I mean a couple matches Nadal's looked great he looked he looked great against Hewitt in really slow conditions, he still was getting the ball past Hewitt, which was amazing to me. But then otherwise, he's looked just—he's looked just solid. But I would still expect that to be enough to beat Meltzer. To beat, but maybe. But the final is more interesting, if you, especially if he plays Soderling. It's uh, to see Nadal possibly at full health. Unlike la- whenever everybody still likes to put, you know, a little bit of asterisk on that match because of Nadal's conditioning. But it would seem to me if they met again that this would be the tell-all and. Oh, you could take a lot of things out of it, regardless yeah, of what happens. But also, Burdich has beaten has beaten Nadal in the past, so that's a that final he'll have. I would have to expect he can't just play a solid match and win that match. He has to play well. I think that's one thing I could really look forward to in a final against 
Nadal versus either one of those guys is there won't be much love lost in the final. Might be kind of nice to have a little bit of edge. There'll be an edge, especially final. especially with yeah. Soderling. Soderling, he's, he likes the edge. He, he does. Even with Federer, he was not. I mean, I know he he respects Federer and is friendly to him. He didn't give him much in the handshake, right? He just gave him kind of a yeah. like was, was it wasn't like a wasn't was like more in the wipe away. It was last year when he yeah, beat the wipe away. But <laughs> this time it was just a fist pump. But he also I would have expected him to be a little give Federer a little more at the net, but he didn't. He, he likes didn't. the fight, which I yeah. know is good. It's yeah, good yeah no, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't act like he you know he doesn't belong there anyway. Yeah. Switching to the women's side, we'll. Um, Go to there now. Um, today's big uh, result was was Stozer over Serena in the women's match of the tournament, I think for sure. Uh, eight six in the third. Um, Stozer served for the match in the second set, broken, and I think pretty much a lot of people, myself at least, thought that it was going to go down the same usual script of maybe a blowout third, but. Um, but it turned out to be, and Serena even had a match point. She usually pulls out a match like this, but it just wasn't the case this time. Um, Tom, I, what do you I think? I was really surprised to see and very happy for Stoser to hang on to this match because it could have been a crushing mental defeat if she hadn't because she was in such good shape. But not only got down you know, in the third, and Serena was serving first in the third, she was down love 30, two points away from losing, and played you know, a fabulous point and a really good game the rest of the way. And came back and you know and, and held and won. I, I was really, yeah. I was really impressed. Yeah, there were some shades of of Novotna, Yana Novotna there. A couple of her of Stoser shots looked really nervous, really bad balls that basically hit the back fence. But I think this match shows what a serve can do at the end of a of a women's tennis match because Stoser's serve really just saved her from Love Thirty. She got a bunch of first serves in. She doesn't. She also has a kick serve, so it's not even. She can get a good first serve that's not even that risky it's a pretty high percentage and she she used that really well that's she the best part of that serve to me she doesn't go for the bullet all the time she can really bring it up high to the backhand side and, and set up a point you know well and know that she can do it pretty much every time she uh, served well in that match also returned serve well i thought in a lot of points too very you know aggressive i thought when she needed to be um i saw stozer back in way back now in charleston and i mean she's still showing that kind of form there's no comparison between these two tournaments of course but she's really had such a spectacular clay season and um, she gets Yankovic next who um, Yankovic has been through this term or she's only lost one set in this tournament uh, hasn't had I think the near the competition that Stozer's had but um, is this like a pick him or what do you guys think about this particular match yeah I think there? this is a pick him so Yankovic is is tough she's been playing like a tough type of tennis for Stozer she's playing you know Yankovic is very consistent very she moves well on clay good Good defense. It'll, I think the the match will be on Stoser's racket. So, so far, she's shown that she can she can win that type of match. She can she can out hit people, but she'll have to do it. This is a little different type of match. Hennen and Serena are also hitters, whereas Yankovic is a little more of a consistent defensive player. It'll be Yank, you know Stoser will have to will have to. Um, think end the points earlier because you think she'll get you think she'll get overpowered in the rallies if she goes toe no, she's to toe been, with she, today against Serena she was good with a slice and good with at staying in the points but she'll have to finish points you know consistently against mm -hmm. against Yankovic so I I don't I definitely don't just because Yankovic hasn't played any other great players I, she's going to be a tough person to beat I yeah I, I guess pick him but I sort of give Yankovic an edge I mean I unfortunately think Stoza's due for a letdown I mean it's a tough position to be in you beat justine you, you beat, beat serena back-to-back -back matches mm -hmm. she's not a young 
she's not a 19-year-old who's just doesn't know any better and is full of confidence and knows, well, this is whatever. This is the first time I've been here. I, I think she rightfully probably looks at this as this is the best I'm playing, maybe the best I ever will play. This is my chance. That's a lot on your shoulders, even right. if now you've got by the two hard parts. It's tough to say to yourself, you've, you're in a major, you've beaten two of the best people in the world, and you still haven't won the tournament yet. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. uh, one of the interesting parts of the remains of the women's draw is that is all of them, none of them have won a slam, so it's going to be, you know, that sort of mental, you know, nugget's going to be in there for all of them. The other two are uh, Dementieva and Schiavone. Um, Schiavone, both of these guys, both these two veterans, Schiavone, 29, um, she's kind of fought around for a while, and this is her biggest slam breakthrough. And Elena, we know she's had a lot of chances to finally get a major, but just hasn't come through yet. Um, what do you guys It'd think of this one? nice to see Elena, you know, do it here. She had a horrible match in the finals of the French a few years ago against Moschina. She's generally not played well in those in those finals. You have to pick her over Schiavone. Dementieva has been hurt, and she almost lost to to Alexander Wozniak earlier earlier in the tournament. She she pulled that match out. Was was not it wasn't wasn't easy, and you would not have said at that point she was gonna gonna reach the final or reach the semis. But but um. Now I think she has to think, all right, I've, I'm in the semis. I've never won this, but Serena and Justine, Kim, none of them are there. I sh- this, yeah, this these guys are the favorites now instead of, I mean, the pressure's there, but they're clearly picked to yeah. win this. Yeah. 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 I'd like to see Dementieva you know, get a shot at two Schiavone's great story. I'd pick Dementieva over her in that match, though. But uh, Dementieva, Yankovic or Stoser. that match could go on for a long time. <laughs> could be a very, could yeah. be a very yeah, nervy yeah. match, and uh, this tournament's far... The drama is not over, I think, on the women's side by by any means. There's going to be I would expect some weird things to happen in the next uh, couple days. I think I would take Stoser to win it, just because she's she's playing the best tennis. She'll have to come. If she plays anything like the way she's played in these two matches, she should she should win a, a match against between her and Dementieva would be a would be a should be an entertaining match, a shot making match. I'm, I'm going to go with Stoser as well. Um, but one one last thing about the men. Uh, let's let's say it is Soderling Nadal replay of last year. I mean, Sorling beat him once. Sorling's beat Roger now. Um, Sorling also beat him. It was on hard courts, but he beat him in in uh, the fall last year, beating Nadal in straight sets. Nadal wasn't his his usual self. Let's but say he does have that let's win. say it's the final. What's your pick? Nadal. No, I'm going to go with Sorling. He just I don't know. Nadal will be fired up, but but Sodaline just doesn't seem like he um, he's going to care. And he's, if he plays anything <laughs> like he did against Federer, I don't. I think he. I think he beats Nadal. Yeah, I would. I, I think Nadal French Open final. I mean, I think he's back and confident again. I, I can't see him letting that one get away from him. He's too, too good mentally and has too much. Yeah, will. he'd be so fired up. You'd, you'd almost have to think, be worried that he'd be, he'd be, he'd might be too, too much. Fired up. He too might much. be too fired up. Too that t- might a little tight. And Soderling, would he have anything to lose in that match? I he think lost the, yeah, the pressure's all on Rafa there yeah. too. I think it is, but he's yeah. good at that. Yeah. I think the pressure is not something. You know, you win the French Open the first time you ever play, and everybody expects you to do it, and you do it. Three more he's times. Pretty, he's pretty good yeah. with the pressure. I, I could see him losing a quick first set like he did against Federer the first time they played in the French Open final where sort of everything went wrong and it was he looked terrible, but then all of a sudden, you know, things could change quickly. Uh, it's with the him. future. The future is here. The big guys. The big guys on clay. Yeah, tall balls. So Juan Martin. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I guess yeah, Juan, finally Juan Martin like is, is missed this year. He could, be, he could be an all-tall final absolutely yeah well we'll check out those on um when the finals are set on friday we'll have one more podcast previewing those that we could be talking about rafa and robin again we'll see how they play 
And then same for the women's side, we'll do that. Um, in the meantime, if you have any questions, uh, podcast at tennis.com, send them our way. And if there's some that are pertinent to the finals, we'll check them out on Friday. It'll be here with Tom and Steve again. Um, that's about it for now. Thanks again for listening. Steve Tegner, Tom Prada, Ed McGrogan, tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.